You're listening to Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where we talk about classic movies exclusively. We've never talked about a non-classic on this movie, and today we're talking about our very first Stanley Kubrick movie, actually. Today we've got a bit of news, and then we have a Clockwork Orange. We both watched Clockwork Orange uh, from 1971, and... Boy, we do sure have a lot to say about it. So we're going to get right into that. And uh, here's Beethoven's Ninth. Not the full thing. That's 23 minutes. We don't have time for that. Here's like three, I don't know, 30 seconds of it. You're listening to Classic Movies Live on Heatwave Radio, the pre-recorded show where we talk about movies that are true classics. Today, specifically, we're talking about a first for us, uh, this is going to be our first ever Stanley Kubrick movie that we've talked about. However, before we get into that, I do want to just bring up some news because this is a, there, there's a lot going on today. We got a lot of news. As of the recording of this episode, you know what? Just for a moment, Pierre, can you tell me what my most anticipated movie of this year is? Obviously, you know this. Yeah, I do. It's uh, New Mutants. It is New Mutants. I'm actually shocked you got that right oh, first try. Yeah. All right. That was actually like a curiosity. <laughs> yeah, New Mutants. Uh, X-Men New Mutants. All right, I think it's probably just called New Mutants. But anyway, the 2016 movie starring Maisie Williams and Anya Taylor-Joy, it has a new release date. It's going to be in theaters August 28th, 2020. No one believes that. Not even the people who made that release date. But by God, will it be in theaters then? Are you excited for this movie, Pierre? Yeah, finally, right? Jeez, I've I've been thinking of all the movies that have been delayed so far, and I just could not stop thinking about this one. Call me crazy, I, but I just see a lot of potential in this new mutants movie because they're new. That's never been done before. <laughs> they're not old. Yeah, we've only we've only ever had old mutants up to this point. It's yeah. insane, honestly. Yeah, it's pretty, it's a bold statement to put in front of your movie title. And it just really, it wakens up the child in me, you know? I gotta say, completely without irony, I was a little upset when I saw this because of all of the movies that could go to theaters or of all the movies that could go to theaters, why in the world is the Scooby-Doo movie, which will put butts in seats going to VOD and New Mutants, which nobody on Earth cares about, going straight to the theaters. I have no idea why Disney thinks this is a movie that is going to make any money. So actually, um, I read that... Sorry to cut you off. I read that New Mutants is not allowed to be released onto, uh, onto Disney Plus, at least, because... Uh, I think it, I, I think Fox made a deal for it in that it has, I think it has a deal with one of the st- new streaming services that it would have been released on there after the movie came out, you know? So Disney has no, um, no right to put it on their streaming service. Um, therefore they yeah. kind of, if they want to make any money on it, um, unless they want to put it on whatever they're competing with, uh, they kind of have to, uh, keep it uh, in theaters. Even though I'm pretty sure it's going to get delayed again, I'm not entirely confident in, in August being a great time for movies, um, but we're going to find out pretty soon because Tenet is still... Tenet is the only movie that hasn't moved yet, as far as I know. And, and that's, what, July 13th? Yeah, it's uh, early July. Um and uh, literally every movie around it has moved. So um, it's very, it'll be very interesting to see. I think Christopher Nolan is literally like standing up to nature itself and saying that like, <laughs> like I, this movie will show when I, when I put it down. Um, so it's a big risk. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what turns out. Um, and if Tenet, if Tenet works out, I think Disney will be very happy with their, their risk on putting New Mutants in August still. Maybe because what Disney right now is banking on is, is basically banking on nobody else releasing movies around that time. If new mutants is the only thing in theaters, 
anyone who's going to a theater will see it. Yeah, even I might watch it just based off pure it like it'll occupy literally every single screen in the theater. So you want Yeah, watch I was going to say Well, I guess I guess that uh, that is interesting that Disney literally can't make money off it as a VOD because I was going to say this movie will make money as a VOD. The people that have been invested in this movie for 3 years like I have will buy it immediately. However, I don't have much confidence in it in theaters. Again, assuming there's actually things in theaters by that point. So I guess that is, I guess that's the if. Yeah. So, so yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll see. Out. We'll find out about how many Jeffs there are out in the world. <laughs> it is a gamble of the century. So mm-hmm. stay tuned. Coming up in a few months, we got New Mutants. We're going to review it. Or we're going to talk about it being delayed. We'll do one of the two, probably both. Yeah, that'd be nice. I'd be down. So let's get to the main event today. For today, we have watched the very first Stanley Kubrick movie we've watched for Classic Movies Live. That movie, of course, is A Clockwork Orange, which can I just say before we get into anything, I was surprised at how many people were in this that I did uh, not recognize from later movies. Really? Was this in the second half or the first half? No, just in general. I, in, in the general? first half and the second half, there were a lot oh. of uh, there were a lot of older actors, and this is in the 70s, so these would have been actors from probably the 30s and 40s. And then mm-hmm. the only name that I knew was Malcolm McDowell, who played Alex, but all of his friends were played by people who I did not recognize from later movies. I sort of anti- I sort of expected that this movie would have uh, lots of names that I recognized from being like really established older actors later. And maybe they were established and maybe they acted a lot, but I did not know any of them. Yeah, there you go. I I actually, I didn't recognize anyone. Um, I have very little knowledge of older actors, I guess. They're like, (laughs) the only... The only guy, I, I think the main character, I can't remember his name, looked a lot like Pennywise um, in, a, in a couple shots. So uh, that's the only resemblance I found, personally. Yeah, he wasn't, but that is Malcolm McDowell. That's the guy yeah. I was talking about. Okay, there you go. Yeah. What, what else was he in? Sorry. I am going to look that up. I've that definitely seen... You, you would recognize the older Malcolm McDowell for sure. Uh but he is, I didn't recognize the younger Malcolm McDowell at all. Mm. Um, yeah, for it. So for anyone that doesn't know the plot of Clockwork Orange, the basic premise is you have a young Malcolm McDowell who is basically a, a troublemaker. And when I say troublemaker, I mean, he's like, I, how do you, how do you say like, he's a, he's a, he's a criminal, but he's like a, what a class A criminal because he did like, but he murdered her. Uh, he ends up murdering someone. Yes. Yeah. So uh, he, this isn't like a Chris Pratt Guardians of the Galaxy type goes to jail. This is like he's a really bad person. He murdered someone. He's he's a rapist. Um, and uh, and he likes to steal money. And um, and yeah, and essentially he gets sent to sent to prison after getting betrayed by his friends and caught for a crime. And uh, he is recruited to a uh, a psychological study, I believe it was. Um, and the and craziness unfolds. Oh, this guy. Yeah, I don't. I I honestly, I'm looking through his filmography. I cannot think of anything that would be immediately recognizable. But you know the face. I know him from uh, Community. He guest starred in Community once. Oh my goodness! All right, that, that's it. That's it. I've never seen him anywhere else. But yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, I guess just to sort of add in some details from that plot summary, he's a hoodlum, I guess. Like he's he's a bad dude. He's a he he's got this gang, and they do all sorts of nonsense, including like it's it's not harmless fun either. Like they there are there is a rape scene very early. Uh, and then he eventually gets taken away for committing a murder that to some degree he's kind of set up to do, but like 
he's just put in the place and then he does the murder. So it's not really a setup. Um, and then he gets recruit. Yeah, he gets recruited for a study that the, the point of the study is it's supposed to make any, any criminal, no matter how bad they are into a good person. Yeah. Uh, and that is the point of the movie is that it doesn't really work. But we'll we'll probably get to that later on. So uh, what what did you think of what what do you think of this movie so far? Like I, I know I don't know if you made it all the way to the end, but uh, <laughs> what did you think? What did you well you you said you had a lot to say about this movie? Um, well, obviously, like this is a very at least from what I can tell it's a very like artistic. Uh, it has a very artistic vision. Um, when I think of movies like, like usually I feel like there's a very there's like there's a there's a general style for movies if that makes sense like, um like most most movies have like uh like they're edited like relatively similarly I I don't know I I'm kind of talking out of my ass right now but essentially this movie it sets you in this very uncomfortable world, um. And it does it through so many different ways uh, that, like, I, I think, um, like, Stanley Kubrick, whatever whatever he was taking at the time, it was really good because, um, like, everything from the set design to, character, like, the character makeup, hairstyles, outfits, cinematography, acting, it's, it's literally all made to make the viewer feel just put off as much as possible and it's very interesting in how he does that um did did you do you agree or did you notice any of that yeah i definitely noticed I, I definitely noticed that and i don't know i don't know that i would have expressed it quite the same way that you did but what i noticed about this especially is so these are all punks like that's that's the point is that they're they're there's some kind of weird counterculture i guess but they're not punks like they're not they're not 70s punks and this is taking or not this is taking place but this movie came out in 71 you know the guy uh the main character alex he wears uh he wears a white jumpsuit and a huge jock strap and he uh some, sometimes and other times he wears like a big baroque thing which is super weird but you know he 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 drink he he rebels by going to the bar and drinking milk and he listens to beethoven and he is a very well spoken guy except that it's it's weird cuz he speaks in slang but he speaks with really good diction it's very strange because he uh um these characters are it, it, i definitely feel like it's made to like it's made to make you uncomfortable because everything that the characters, the the counterculture characters, Alex and his gang do is um, very prim and proper except for the actual brutal crimes they commit. So it's sort of a weird juxtaposition in like from scene to scene over and over again that you're forced to endure and it looks and it makes you very, it makes you very uncomfortable very quickly. Yeah. Um, which I'm guessing was the point. It just, I don't know. It, it felt like when I was comparing it to, I was trying to compare it to like almost like a painting in a museum, if that makes sense. Just like it's, it's a very, uh, abs I want to say it's like an abstract type of movie in a lot of ways you know um mm -hmm. not i i see i'm not sure how much wes anderson was in, like if he's seen this he probably has but it it felt kind of wes anderson-esque except with stripped out of all the cartoonish um innocence you know and yeah it, it replaced with a very uh kind of crude look at at society in general um yeah but uh yeah like the the color palette and uh the 
the the symmetry in the shots, the 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 panning shot, the panning movement of the camera, sometimes, um, and like the I want to say the framing, uh, and uh, what what is it when you you place the actors around? Um, is that not that also the framing? I think it's a part of framing, yeah. Uh, but essentially, yeah, all these things feel very uh, kind of Wes Anderson, not inspired, obviously, because this came before his time. But uh, yeah, I thought that, I thought that was an interesting contrast. Um, it is interesting yeah. that you bring up Wes Anderson here because this is one of Wes Anderson's favorite movies. Oh, well, there you go. I actually, I yeah. have no idea. How'd you how'd you find out? Did I guess you said that? Uh, I. Well, I uh, I looked it up on Google while you were talking, but oh well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, actually, I do get that vibe kind of because it's very the colors are very staunch for one thing, which is a very Wes Anderson thing, and it's very uh, well. I mean, I guess I come back to this. It's very proper, despite some very obvious absurdities although these are they're they're not absurd in the way wes anderson typically is they're yeah. a lot darker but yeah actually i found that with a lot of stuff in this movie this movie is really absurdist but not like there's a weird situation that wouldn't ever happen it's that it's very they're doing terrible things all the time and they just kind of don't care, which is, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm dancing around a lot of points every time I say stuff, but it's, it's really strange. The, the vibe this movie gives off is very strange. Yeah. I, I, I definitely say that I, that's the most interesting part. Cause well, I, like from what I could tell, the plot is actually like relatively, uh, basic um it's fairly straightforward yeah yeah i thought the the pacing if if i wasn't distracted with all the the interesting like scenery and stuff i think the i think the pacing would like probably be much more obviously like off because nothing really happens until i want to say 45 to 50 minutes in the movie and that like most of that time is sent is spent uh, establishing the main character, um, but not only that, it's also like establishing kind of this environment in this world uh, because this is yeah. based in the future, right? Uh, uh, the future of nineteen seventy one, so it's probably like roughly nineteen ninety one or something. Yeah, something like that. Um, the futuristic world of nineteen ninety three. So so yeah, it's kind of cool how they they uh, the 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 pacing is is definitely like it, it feels like it doesn't matter anymore just because you're so absorbed in this. Each scene feels like a new adventure, if that makes sense. Just because like the because I honestly like the sets are really 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 cool, um, mm-hmm. and they kind of they kind of keep you distracted. And I'm not saying like. Like uh, any of the dialogue is bad or anything. It's actually like uh, quite interesting. Um, there's definitely yeah. because yeah, I, I if all we needed to know was that this was a bad guy and he gets betrayed by his friends, um, and from what I can tell, that's all the the first fifty minutes really shows us. Uh, that could have been cut. Really, like, you could have cut down to twenty minutes. That down to twenty minutes, mm-hmm. in my opinion, from what I could tell, because uh, it seemed like that the in essence. The, the goal was to get him in, in prison um, and show and show that he's not a, a good person, you know, or a really bad person. Yeah, but really this movie is a very, is, is like a pretty in-depth character. Well, it's, it's a lot of things, actually. This movie covers, this movie wears a lot of hats. Uh, and the reason, I would say that the reason that that, you know, 50, that, that first 50 minutes is how long it takes to, put Alex in prison is that this movie is one of the hats this movie wears is that it's a character study of Alex because he is a pretty complex guy. He's obviously not a good person, but he's got all, he's got a lot of interests that you wouldn't immediately expect. 
He, you know, cares deeply about his snake. He has a lot of, uh, he has very, he has quite a few fairly complex relationships with his friends, his parents. There's some random girls introduced that give (laughs) some more about his personality. There's, there's, there's a lot going on in it with Alex, and I feel like that's the reason that it takes 50 minutes to put him in prison. Okay, that's fair. I, I, I still, I don't entirely agree, but I, I would, it does show a lot of different layers. That is true. I, I wasn't, I, I didn't know. I thought the snake was just kind of there. I, I was. Yeah, pretty much. Like, he, he doesn't, <laughs> later, sure later on, he does, uh, I think that the, uh, him caring deeply about the snake comes later, but it's also oh. not that important. Yeah. yeah. Later on, he comes home and he asks where his snake is, and I think that's the only time in the movie that he gets like within. I think that's the only time in the movie he cries is when they find when he finds out his snake is gone. Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry. I just uh, for those listening, I didn't watch the whole movie, so I'm a little. I'm not sure. I guess. So, so are you saying like a lot of the stuff set up in the first half really does pay off in the second half? There is quite a bit. Yeah, actually. Um, okay. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to put you on the spot there, but a lot of the a lot of the uh, relationships, for sure, between Alex and other people pay off pretty heavily in the second half. Yeah. A lot of the relationships that are built up in the very first one, like the one, like uh, with his mom and with his, uh, I want to say stepdad, but also with his gang, pay off in the end. Uh, and actually they don't really pay off before that. So I think his only meaningful interaction with his mom comes near the end of the movie, as do his most meaningful interactions with a lot of his gang members. Uh, Although, actually, uh, seasoned listeners of Classic Movies Live may remember from our Basketball Diaries episode of Losing It Over Leo... We talk, I talked very briefly about the, about the uh, book version of A Clockwork Orange and the only relationship that he makes in the first part of the movie that doesn't pay off is, the, uh, is one of his gang members who, after he goes to prison in the movie, does not reappear at all. And that is the, he's the subject of the scene that I mention in the Basketball Diaries, very briefly. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Fun fact. So there you have it. So I think that, uh, so actually, if we go on to that, just on that, me- on, on that, uh, on that note, the theme, or one of the themes in this movie, and it's more apparent in the book, so I'll just sort of touch on it, because it's not really the theme of the movie, but one of the themes in the book is uh, just growing up and that that has to come from yourself. This movie is sort of a weird, twisted coming-of-age story about a guy who is a terrible person and forced to become a good person. And uh, the point of the movie is that that doesn't work. And in the book, what happens is he actually eventually does become a good person but that, uh, I guess you can't see that, but I was making air quotes. He becomes a better person, but that, but not until it comes from him. So that's one of the themes that's in this movie that, well, it's really more in the book. That's, that sort of doesn't quite happen in this movie because I guess, can we talk spoilers at this point? We've been talking for what, 20 minutes? Yeah, it's like a 50-year-old movie, so... That's true. This movie turns 50 next year. So uh, if, if, you're, if you're worried about spoilers, I guess here's your warning. The end of the movie is that he, in fact, is not a good person and he's now a bad person again. That's, oh. that's the end of the movie. Like, it's not, it's not that, it's not not that, that much of a surprise. Okay. This ain't, this ain't the no point- uh, Better Island or something. Right. But the point is that, like, he goes through this experimental treatment, which is essentially brainwashing. Yeah. That just makes him sick to the stomach every time he sees, every time he has to witness or think about it, something bad, like 
murder or rape or anything like that. And what that does to him is it just kind of ruins his life because um, it doesn't just associate those sick, those feelings of sickness with uh, those actually heinous actions. It associates it with all of the minutia around it. Like he cannot think about, he can't even get sexually attracted because it makes him sick to his stomach. He can't think about defending himself for any reason against anything because it makes him sick and he wants to die. And he eventually almost tries to kill himself because he cannot live with the pain of literally having thoughts. And then at the very end, he is unbrainwashed. They figure out a way to sort of recondition him to existing again. And he becomes a bad person again because that's just who he is. But then in the book, there's an epilogue chapter where he decides that, you know what, maybe it's time to grow up and not be a terrible guy anymore. Well, yeah, I, I think... That, it, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, that doesn't, that doesn't happen in the movie. The end of the movie is where he is a bad person again. Oh, okay. I, well, it does bring, like... In, like uh bring up some really interesting thoughts, you know, of just like how much, how much can you change about a person before they aren't really like a person anymore? And like the cost of quote unquote, like fixing, fixing someone and like what, what that really does, you know, for the, yeah. like, and they're like, are you fixing them just for the sake of uh, them becoming a better person or is it, or is it you're you're fixing them to uh just to make just to have one less bad person in society or like are you trying to make them see what they did was wrong um who are you helping really exactly yeah uh because well i, I actually well okay i'm gonna be honest i don't know much about the the, pr- the prison system right now and how we can directly relate to this but i'm sure there are some very smart people out there that have written essays on it uh mm-hmm. Because I, I would say there are parallels. I can't, I don't think I can delve into those, into those, those philosophical uh, theories because I don't really know enough about either, either one to really sink my teeth into it. Uh, but I, I do like that idea. Um, and uh, I think it really does. So like these kinds of things really do make the audience think again, which is, I think really nice. Did you did you read the book? Yeah, I did. What did you think of the differences or slash like changes and like were there any shortcomings in the movie? Well, it has been a while since I read the book because I read the book back in high school, and okay. I guess the main thing I would say is I would I I think that this movie is actually a fairly good adaptation of the book. It mostly hits everything that the book tries to, mm-hmm. and the only difference is that last chapter. And that last chapter is important, but excluding it doesn't detract from the rest of the movie Mm -hmm. or from the rest of the story. It just sort of, uh, it doesn't add another moral. And by not adding that other moral, kind of implies the opposite because the the, the, the moral of the last chapter of the story is that people can change, but it has to come from them. Mm-hmm. And by not, bring, by not putting that in, the implication of this movie is that the moral is people cannot change. That's actually not the message of this movie. I didn't even get that watching, it, watching this movie. But I definitely saw how that could come across. And I feel like including the last chapter makes that explicit where not including it makes it sort of the makes the opposite implicit if that makes sense sort of <laughs> that was really, okay I'm fair enough. So confused um uh i would say that this movie has a lot of different things it's trying to hit on okay. like this movie is making points about the prison system it's making points about society it's talking about the f uh Um, the ethics of actually trying to change someone. And um, 
it makes all of those points very well. And kind of the, the main point of this movie is that you can't fundamentally change someone, change who someone is. If they're okay. inclined to do bad stuff, then they're going to do bad stuff. If they're inclined to be good people or law-abiding citizens, then they're going to be good people or law-abiding citizens. And at the end of this movie, um, Alex goes back to the way he was at the very beginning of the movie. And that's just who he is. And I feel like keeping, keeping the last uh, chapter out of that movie or out of the movie implies that this is the full message of the, of the movie where putting it back in would say, you can't change someone else. But if that person wants to change, people can change. And that's oh, really I the see. last, that's, that's the ba- last thing mm-hmm. that's missing. So it kind of leaves it more up in the air. Mm-hmm. Or maybe not, maybe, maybe not. It actually might actually, that actually sounds like it offers more closure in that like, yeah. it's more direct. Um, but it, I guess it is kind of odd that that's a theme that they would be trying to push. It's not a very common theme, I guess, you know, because most movies are definitely more about um, character arcs slash redemptions, which are usually yeah, where, satisfying for the. Where this one kind of omits the only part that represents the closure of that character arc. Yeah. Well, there you go. Um, so okay, so that that might have that might have that was definitely probably a a, a stylistic choice by Kubrick. Maybe he, he maybe he felt mm-hmm. a a certain way, <laughs> a very specific way about this, and he wanted to it to reflect um, in the movie. Uh, well, yeah, the ending to this movie is very the ending to this movie is very stylish. Like Kubrick definitely wanted to communicate whatever his point was with this movie very effectively and he did it yeah i will say i i love how i think this this movie really showcases the uh the the flexibility of kubrick you know i haven't seen too many Mm -hmm. of his other films but um i'm trying to uh did did he do who who was uh who was rear window was that him did he do rear window? That was Alfred Hitchcock. Oh, never mind. Okay. Well, <laughs> I can tell you stuff like, like he like uh, looking at this movie and then looking at like two thousand one or this movie in the in the Shining, I guess. Um, and I'd, I I want to say there are they do definitely have like different like very different feels, you know. But they all I think they also still feel like a Kubrick movie. I don't know why. Um. But there is that feeling, in my opinion. Yeah, I actually have to say, the only other movies that I've seen have of his were also the same ones you mentioned. And they mm-hmm. are very different. Uh, the Shining is... I would say The Shining is... Um, God, I don't even know that I would say that. The Shining is narratively certainly different. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's more or less clear narratively. There's a lot of... There's a lot of subtext in all three of those movies. Uh, 2001 is the most abstract for sure. Um, but really, it's, it, all three of those movies are very different. Yeah. So like, I think that's, that's, um, really, that's a really cool thing to notice. Because, yeah, this, this movie, from what I can tell, is just like unlike any movie I've ever seen. Um, mm-hmm. I want to say, like... It's it's sort of the, the type of movie I would place like it sort of reminded me in some ways of like have you ever heard of the Holy Mountain? In like uh, the System of a Down song. I'm not sure it like as the subtitle. <laughs> I don't. Uh, no, not not that. It was a. It's just like a, a very abstract movie. I haven't seen the whole thing, but I've seen a couple clips, and um, it's just very like an off-putting movie, and it's very like unlike anything. Like, it, it has, like, a very... I don't even think it has a narrative um, or plot. Just, like, stuff. Hmm. Anyways, it's very interesting. Um, but, yeah, this is definitely, like, one of the more different movies I've seen in terms of just, like... Because I what's interesting is it actually feels like 
like this world feels very similar to ours in some ways, you know, like this isn't like, yeah. I would, I would say like uh blade runner where like, it feels completely different, but then like, there's a couple, sorry, it's kind of a weird one, but I guess they're, they're both technically like futuristic slash sci-fi esque movies. Um, and the, the way they do it in Blade Runner to relate it to our world is they add like the, uh, the, the huge ads. Right. Um, but this movie, like despite how different this world feels, it, it still feels like our world, you know? Um, are you talking, you're talking about uh, Clockwork Orange right now. Sorry. Right? Yeah. Clockwork Orange now. Yeah. I, I, I almost want to say like, I want to compare it to like, have you seen Cat in the Hat? Um, the Mike uh, Myers movie? Yeah. <laughs> I, I have. It was a while uh, ago, but I okay. did see it. Well, like, I think an interesting comparison is just that, from what I can tell, that, like, that movie, the, the idea of, like, Whoville, right? Um, and the Who's, it, it's like a, a fictional world designed to look like our own. But it's it feels completely. Are you sure that this is Cat in the Hat you're talking about, or the Grinch? Oh, sorry, no, no, it it is Cat in the Hat. I, I don't know what the city's called, but it's a city of Who's, and it's designed okay. in a certain a certain way, like a very cartoonish way. I want to say kind of like similar to this, like very similar color palettes, um, and off-putting design. But uh, that feels like a completely separate world, you know, like a completely fictional world. This this movie yeah. doesn't really have any references to our world, and it it never really looks like it, but it still has that feeling, and it feels like this is a it's it's almost like an evil reflection of the world, the life we live, you know. Well, when I was when I was watching this movie, I really got the sense I was just watching, you know, stuff happening in 1975. This movie is, you know, it was shot and it was it was released in 1971 so that's still barely the future but i didn't get the i got the feeling that this movie was very lightly futuristic but very reflective of the world that it literally came from yeah i i knew that this movie was technically sci-fi but it did not seem like it yeah so that's um i don't know i don't know why that fascinates me so much but i thought it was just a really it's so just so many subtle subtle things i i definitely this this type of movie i like oh first of all i need to completely watch it but i think even after i watch it the first time i think you definitely find a second or third viewing to be very interesting just by looking at the different details and like the world set up at first um because i i, I do think a lot of it is there to build up that feeling without explicitly um saying like like there's no obvious remarks there's a lot of storytelling done through the and feelings made through through the sets and the cinematography and stuff um well yeah actually coming back to what you said to what you said quite a bit earlier um this movie spends a lot more time than it maybe needs to on a lot of things but that's just really oh my god i don't even know where i'm going with this but I was going to say that's a lot of buildup. And this movie just spends a lot of time building up things. And there's a lot of details there that are certainly easy to miss. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it'd be really cool to watch this again. Um, and, uh, yeah, and then I, I thought, like, there were some scenes I really thought were interesting. I thought the stepdad, what, you said he was stepdad, right? I thought he was a really I believe so. Actor. It's it's not fully clear, but I think he is a stepdad. Yeah. Um, just the way, because again, this is kind of like a reflection of, you know, because I, I think a lot of movies have that kind of the stepdad character that like the kid doesn't like at all. And they're just like kind of really mean to them. Um, mm -hmm. In this movie, they have that, but I think there's just something just so off about, his acting were like, um, cause, cause essentially they have the scene where he's, uh, the stepdad's on his bed in his room and they're talking. And that is not the stepdad. Oh, who is that? <laughs> is it, who is I that? I think guy? that's, I think that's the chief of police. I'm not a hundred percent certain. It is unclear exactly who that is, but oh, he okay. is a policeman and I do not believe he's the stepdad. 
Okay. But well, I know you... who you're talking about. Please continue. Okay, well, that there's a scene where he's talking to this older gentleman in his bed. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure who it is anymore. Um, but, like, the way they shot it, because I think it was shot... They, they never move the camera, and there's a couple scenes where the... the the, the older guy is like across from him on, on and then the main character walks to sit beside him and that placement is just so awkward because you have these like obviously like the the main character is very uncomfortable and you have the the older guy who's like he's talking right to his face um and like there's no there's no again there's no cutting or anything so the audience is kind of forced to just watch this really obviously awkward conversation um and then they like they lie back down on the bed and stuff and i thought that was really cool too because usually they would when you're lying when the characters are lying down on a bed you would kind of cut to above them so you can see them better but this movie yeah. actually just kind of lets them lie down um and again like you can't really see their faces or their expressions very well but like i i want to say there's very there's a lot of uh patience from kubrick in in these scenes in that like he doesn't he doesn't move he doesn't really change the the angle unless he he absolutely needs to and i think definitely for a couple scenes uh that was like very i want to say disturbing and i don't know why because it was literally just a conversation um but you just it feels so off-putting and, uh, I actually want to. Uh, I actually want to say that that it, it might just be just not changing the angle because I'm I'm thinking of our Invisible Man episode, where in the Invisible Man there's obviously a reason he's not changing the angle and you're seeing things change but you don't know what they are because there's just so they're they're wide shots and you don't know what to look for. Yeah. But I'm thinking just in general when you when you see the same thing and you're in these movies, well, in movies in general, you're used to seeing the, the scene change all the time. You want, you're seeing a close-up of an actor, then you see the wide shot, then you see a close-up of a different actor, then you go back to the first actor, stuff like that. When you just see the same thing for a long period of time, it feels more tense. It feels like, it feels like this means more, and also it just feels less, it, it just feels more uncomfortable because you've been staring at the same thing and now you're noticing, well, you're noticing details because all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're having to notice those because nothing has changed in the scene. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely, I mean, I, I, it's kind of a cool psychological, it's kind of like if, if you can, it's a psychological effect, like comparing it to, uh, like when you talk to someone, you never really you don't stare in their eyes the whole time you talk to them. Um, yeah, you you want to look away or like get like look maybe look at a different eye or something and just like so they kind of I, I think it's really cool that they took that aspect um, here and uh, yeah I just like stuff like that like I I wanna I wanna bring up more stuff but I'll just I'll just bring up that scene in particular as just like how how much they are they are making you feel with so little you know um mm -hmm. and uh yeah just stuff like that also the last thing i really want to talk about was the music um i can't believe i forgot about that but the uh the music it was primarily I, just uh mozart right oh. it was a beethoven uh beethoven beethoven's ninth more or less like it was it was mostly just beethoven's ninth yeah okay um well there you go like they they kept repeating the same tune over and over again yeah uh, and it's actually really important because uh in the last part of the movie he gets one of the side effects of his treatment is that so his treatment is essentially subjecting him to horrible horrible videos over and over again yeah and at the same time uh, what they're doing is one of those videos has as its background music Beethoven's Ninth, which is his favorite song. So one of the side effects of his treatment is that he can no longer listen to Beethoven's Ninth without getting sick to his stomach 
the same way he would about thinking about rape or thinking about murder or thinking about anything horrible. Right. Yeah. Like I, it, it is definitely like a cool. And well, the thing is I really liked is that it never feels off or disruptive, you know? Um, yeah. It's I, always organic I, or at the very least it fits. Yeah. Like it, it always, I, I would notice cause it was, it was almost like on a loop. But every time, I don't know if this is just like the brilliance of Beethoven, maybe of just how like how well his music works. But uh, every time, like, I, I want to say all these scenes had different like themes, like or different tones and stuff sometimes. And but just every time when uh, I think like the loop, it's because it definitely kind of accumulates each time, right? From what mm-hmm. I remember, that that court, that uh, that uh, verse, or what I don't know how to say it and. In musical terms whatever it is yeah and but just every time i just i thought it actually worked really well and i thought the like the repetitiveness of it just again like kind of put you off and made you feel it it it, it felt slightly comedic and but also just slightly like unnerving um and uh again like i think that just fit everything else in this movie so well because i, I think that the whole at least the whole the whole first act of like creating this world is is made to give you that feeling of kind of kind of ridiculous slash comedic, but like underneath or on the surface is also extremely depressing and serious. You know, um, I do feel that it really added to the satire element of it because they would always use it to underscore scenes that we're not majestic at all. It's a very majestic piece, I guess, is the best that I can say about it. And they yeah. would always use it to underscore scenes that were not even a little bit majestic. So it sort of, it sort of added to the absurdity because you're watching, I mean, I hate to keep coming back to it, but you're watching literally a rape scene while Beethoven is playing in the background, which yeah. is awful but does sort of add to the absurdity of this scene mm-hmm. or it makes the, it makes the scene absurd instead of horrifying, which kind of in a way makes it more horrifying. Yeah. Just the very fact that you almost, it's like the movie's telling you to laugh at the scene at the, at the, the rape scene almost, yeah. you know, uh, because it's, it's almost, yeah. Like played comedically. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's also kind of a cool, um effect on like the viewer's mind you know just like like how do uh, it keeps you questioning how do i feel right now um exactly which is i i think just a really if it keeps you kind of on the edge which i think that feeling definitely does because people you know people like certainty right they want to know how to feel about something and if the movie can constantly keep you that way that's just like a really cool feat um so yeah i think it's sorry go ahead Oh, I was, I was going to say, I think that's the point of the movie is to have you constantly engaged and thinking about why does this entertain you or why do you not like this? Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Um, so, yeah, some really interesting choices. Uh, definitely, like, I wouldn't, again, from what I could tell, like, no, I, I want to, like, every every part of filmmaking just felt like it was, on top of its game um Mm -hmm. in in this movie like there was no part of it i thought i thought really lacked uh and uh it it was definitely like probably one of the most interesting movies i've ever i've ever seen um and it definitely like this isn't the type of movie you watch and you can easily forget like no uh, which i think uh, yeah again um it makes it like a really great movie. Definitely not my type of movie. Um, I don't think many people like to watch movies that make them really uncomfortable. <laughs> but uh, it's definitely like uh, as a movie fan, it's like just a great feat of filmmaking from the, at least from a technical aspect, from what I can see. Uh, and I'm sure I'm gonna... it, you can you can say from the plot perspective as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to say a controversial opinion here. I think Stanley Kubrick is pretty good at making movies. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> he knows what he's doing, I would hope. 
so Pierre, yeah. what's our next Stanley Kubrick movie? Uh I've That's a good question. I, I actually don't know that many Kubrick movies. I need to Did he do Apocalypse Now? Was that him? He did not. Uh I believe that was Francis Ford Coppola. Oh, there you go. I need to watch some Coppola um, movies. Uh, the thing is, though, I've already picked our next our, our oh. next Kubrick movie while we were there talking about this. So uh, very soon, you're going to hear us talk about Eyes Wide Shut, Stanley Kubrick's last movie featuring Tom Cruise. Oh, perfect! I love Tom Cruise. All I right, <laughs> but anyway, I guess I guess we did forget about something. Would you recommend this movie? What do you think? What did you? What, what were your final thoughts on this movie? Uh, uh, I def I'd. Mm, I'd say yes. Uh, again, like you'll never—I don't think you'll ever see a movie like this. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's really hard to get into at at least at first. Um, but because I was—I was honestly I—I I procrastinated a lot watching this movie just because like it—I I really I I really have a tr- hard trouble. I have a hard time watching movies that seem very unfamiliar to me um right and and just like from the first scene this is just like a very different beast than you you might expect so uh i'd i'd say but then as i slowly like kind of kept getting into it i got way more interested in what was going on and slowly absorbed into the world so i'd say like give it a chance um, if you can get past the first 15 minutes, I, I just say it, it keeps ramping up from there and like how, how cool it is to watch and you really start to appreciate it. So uh, for me, definite recommend. I would say that this movie is, it's very uncomfortable to watch. However, it makes, it's, it's, it's a really meaningful movie and it talks a lot about society and specific societal institutions like it's it it makes a lot of points about the prison system and about government and politics and really i think this is a very dense movie in terms of meaning as well and so in that respect i think this is really a movie that everybody should see and but what i would say i guess i guess my stipulation on that would be you really need to be fully watching this movie. There's some movies that we've talked about that I would recommend. And, you know, they're just a fun time. They're great. You, you, you put them on in the background and they're awesome. But this one, I really think that, like, if you have two hours to spend to watch a movie that's going to make you think, this is a good one to do it. Um, but also, do not... I, I wouldn't recommend putting this on in the background because it's weird and it's weird. Uh, it's not comfortable to watch this is not a background movie but aside from that i would absolutely recommend it (laughs) or or movie with your parents (laughs) probably not but i did watch requiem for a dream with my parents so i mean like depends on your parents yeah yeah true we will see you back here again next week for a mystery movie that i'm gonna not reveal just so that we don't put any pressure on ourselves (laughs) all right see you next time guys See you next week.